Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I welcome back Alexandra King, co-founder and director of Ask Marketing. Welcome back, Alex. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Well, look, um, last time we were talking primarily around the role of Ask Marketing and the sort of options available for especially SMEs. Mm as they're developing their marketing capabilities and the role that you played there. Mm. But I, I wanted to have another conversation with you because it must be interesting in your perspective and the way you work with, uh, I think last time you called them virtual marketing managers, yes. right? Yes. Do you see that there's a big difference between placing your team into, say, a B2B organisation as opposed to a B to C? The answer, put quite simply, is no. Um, I think ultimately the strategies are very different, um, but the tactics, um, you know, can often overlap. So, and, and I also think that from a digital perspective, and that's obviously the perspective that I'm coming from and where my experience lies, is that, you know, is is in alignment with what I just said. I think... Um, you, you know, as I was saying, that the strategies are very different um, in, in terms of where the business needs to go and how it gets to that place. But the tactics used to get there are quite often overlapped within the digital environment. So, so because a lot of people will say that the role of marketing in B2B is mm. quite different to B2C. Mm. B2C is primarily around driving awareness and mm. consideration. Mm. And then the sales component usually happens through a third party, mm-hmm. you know, either a retailer mm-hmm. or a uh, or a uh, online or mm-hmm. some other channel where you know the sales are made. Mm-hmm. Whereas B two B, it's primarily driven by sales, mm-hmm. and often marketing will have more of a support role rather than the lead role. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a fair assumption or a fair uh, summary of? B2B and B2C. Yeah, I mean, I think um, as we've kind of talked about um, on another on another day, I think the reality is of of that is that I think e-commerce within the beta um, within the B2B and B2C space is changing that. I think um, from again a digital perspective, brand awareness tactics, interest tactics, research and registration tactics, all the way through to um, lead gen um, and through to loyalty and reactivation. I think the tactics do um, do and can remain the same. However, I do think within the B2B environment, there is this level of qualification of that marketing lead into a sales qualified lead that has typically until this point been, um, you know, a business development type role. Um, and that is now, and this is another thing I think would be interesting to explore is the fact that now that qualification process from marketing qualified lead to sales qualified lead is sometimes being happening by a piece of MarTech or, or a tool. Um, well, that's that's what I've read, is yeah. that uh, sales in B2B is increasingly becoming the, the responsibility of marketing. Mm, correct. Because technology is actually allowing marketers mm. to uh, build relationships, mm. nurture relationships mm. through things like social selling, mm-hmm. 
and then actually have fulfilment of the sale through technology. Absolutely. So where does that leave the role of sales in that particular model? Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think, you know, social media and, 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 you know, the digital world and the way that it's measured and I guess the access that we have to the reporting and the, and the you know, analytics and the in, insights that we can pull from that is so sophisticated that we know so much about that user in a B2B or B2C, but if we're talking B2B for a second, if, if you know, we know so much about that business who obviously represents that organisation um, from the very outset. So at the point of, you know, converting them into a sales qualified lead, a lot of the personalization is is easy because we know where they've come from. We know, you know, what channel they've come from. We know what their preferences are. We typically might know a little bit about their demographic. You know, we know what has triggered them to make you know, with their intent to acquire, how qualified that intent is based on their, you know, behaviour. And so the ability to then convert them can typically be a lot easier um, because we understand them more mm. and we have understand the journey that they've taken to get to this place. Um, and so closing the deal can now be done, I guess, in what is, you know, a marketing realm instead of a sales realm. Look, the reason I thought this would be a, uh, a such an important conversation is because I attended late last year a uh, breakfast briefing mm -hmm. from one of the big accounting firms and they had about 50 CEOs from SME companies. And when I say SME, they were mm -hmm. sort of 10 million to 50 million. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking small when I say SME, uh, we're not really talking small yeah. companies. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they were more medium-sized yes. companies. The thing that amazed me is that there was a lot of talk because they were talking about growth. Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of talk about sales. And when I raised marketing, almost all of them laughed and one of them said, oh, the colouring in department, mm. which is a complete anathema for most marketers. Mm. I mean, I imagine, how, how do you react to being uh, described as the colouring in department? Yeah, I mean, it infuriates me. And I mean, I, I inevitably, when I stepped into my first marketing assistant role within a B2B organisation in the tech space 10 years ago, straight out of uni, I the first thing I learnt was how to use InDesign. So, I mean, I think, you know, if you look 10 years down the track, I think what, and, and don't get me wrong, I think learning and understanding and having an in-depth knowledge of how to use some of these softwares, you know, Adobe and, the, and Canva and the likes, I think is obviously critical. However, what I think and, you know, what I think um, is really important to note coming back to what, you know, those conversations were at that breakfast is the fact that I think these organisations need to understand and get excited about the fact that marketing and in particular marketing technology if used correctly at the early stages in the top of the marketing funnel, can make their job so much easier. You know, not only are you finding out more about them, but you're, you know, you're understanding what they want, you're understanding what, um, you, you know, exactly what they're interested in. And at the point that the deal needs to happen, whether that be, you know, whether that's a transaction online, whether that's for a service-based business or a product-based business, you know, in any case, the sale is already done because that person has come through a journey that's easily trackable. And, you know, if you look at, you know, um, marketing tech tools, for example, like Typeform, like Intercom, um, like Yieldify, these are all marketing tech tools that essentially aid in the conversion 
of um, of a sale because they understand where the you know where that user has come from and what their exact needs are, and they understand what's going to motivate them enough to make that deal happen. So that level of automation and technology has just made that salesperson's job so much easier, if not it's done it for them. Well, and, and that's what's happened, isn't yeah. it? I mean, first of all, my observation of that breakfast was they were almost exclusively B2B, mm. okay? They were also almost exclusively very traditional businesses, mm. you know? They were in uh, property development. Mm -hmm. They were in uh, service industries. Mm -hmm. They were definitely, you know, engineering, all, mm -hmm. sort, all of the traditional B2B type businesses. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think what has not happened in the B2B marketing space is that a lot of organisations haven't realised how far technology has come, MarTech has come, mm -hmm. in actually allowing marketing and sales to be almost seamless. Absolutely. You know, this idea that marketing just does the pretty pictures and then sales goes out and gets the sales mm. is, and, and builds the relationships. Mm. In fact, the relationship happens... Uh, now seamlessly from mm -hmm. awareness right through to contract being signed or purchase mm -hmm. being made. Absolutely. And I think the more that you can put through what essentially would be your marketing division as, you know, as far down that funnel as you possibly can, the better it is for the business. Um, it's obviously cheaper, but I think it provides the user, whether it's, you know, the business or the consumer, but in this case, the business or the person within that business that's the decision maker with a better experience. Um, you know, it, often I think people um, are going to get a better experience from a well-thought-out process that, you know, involves technology and involves, you know, an, an element of Q&A and an element of, of personalisation and then speaking to somebody once, you know, they've, you know, nominated their preference works a whole lot better than having 10 conversations um, and going around in a circle that's obviously extremely labour-heavy, you know, heavy for that salesperson um, and then potentially getting nowhere and then realising that they were not probably the right fit for that business or that offering. Um, Do you find uh, with Ask Marketing that more of your clients are B2B or more are B2C? It's or is a it, real split. It's, it's a split? It's yeah. a real split. However, there has been a humendous uh, growth or shift, I guess, in, in the B2B space. So, you know, I think there is, and, and I think that is off the back of what we're talking about today, I think businesses who are more traditional service-based businesses, you know, for example, in the consulting realm, um, be it from recruiting through to HR management through to, you know, um, you know, management consultants are realising that, you know, they can really use digital marketing and, and MarTech, so to speak, um, to really drive three quarters of their marketing, of their funnel, of their, of their, of their lead pipeline. Um, and, and not just that, but I guess, they can also leverage it at the bottom of the funnel with regard to reactivating old clients and building loyalty and 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 you know encouraging repeat business mm -hmm. in a much easier um, and I guess sexier way than having a phone call, um, which obviously is you know quite hard to do when they're so busy. So there has been a real shift and growth in the B two B side of our business, which I think is you know not dissimilar to what you're saying. It'll also be interesting with the impact of COVID and, mm. and remote working, mm. how that will impact sales teams. Because I know, you know, over the last uh, several months, 
read a lot of articles about how traditional sales, face-to-face sales, Mm -hmm. have been completely decimated by Mm -hmm. the fact that they're now reduced to trying to build relation or nurture relationships and close sales by, you know, using Zoom and phone calls Mm -hmm. and things, and they're just really struggling with Mm -hmm. that. What you're saying is that MarTech and marketing, the strategy to apply that MarTech in a B2B space, Mm -hmm. is actually making it that marketing is the lead generator Mm -hmm. and even warm lead. You know, it's qualifying Mm -hmm. that, more likely to qualify those leads. Absolutely. For sales then to really just close on. That's exactly that's exactly it. I mean, a perfect example is um, a client of ours who's actually a really large um, carbon footprint and um, energy reduction carbon footprint reducing company. And, you, you know, they're, they're a big business. And the first thing that we did before we built that strategy or in alignment with that strategy is built out what I would call an ecosystem for that business. And that is quite literally a diagram um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Lucid Chart. It's one of my favourite tools. And it's essentially, um, you know, a, a diagram of how essentially I would like, um, from a strategic perspective, their business to operate all the way from brand awareness through to reactivation and loyalty. And, you know, they're a big B2B-based organisation where the the decision-making happens within the C-level um, team. And we're basically you know, ideating that the entire funnel all the way through to closing that deal is happening through MarTech and digital marketing. And then after the deal is done and the other work is completed, which is obviously done on site, um, then again, we're applying digital marketing strategies and MarTech strategies in particular to reactivate those clients in the form of, you know, um, you know secondary projects, um, referrals, other industry partners, and, and then the cycle happens again. So what we're seeing there is that, you know, the complete elimination of the need to have all of those salespeople out on the road, yeah, exactly. um, you know, as people say, um, you know, because it can all happen so much easier. Now, the other thing is uh, you earlier said the B2B and B2C can have completely different strategies. Mm but largely the digital tactics Mm. will be largely the same. Mm. But isn't there also an element, and I know you believe this, Mm. where there's a commonality even in developing of the strategy, Mm. and that is we really are talking about people, aren't we? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, B2B, B2C, it's really human to human, like H to H, call it that, if you will. And that's the reality of this is that businesses don't make decisions, people do. So even in the case of a large B2B transaction, you're really needing to connect with the decision maker within that organisation. It's not the business. The business doesn't go on Facebook. The business doesn't see a bus going past. The business doesn't go to a website. It's the decision maker and the people that surround that decision maker within the organisation. So whilst the strategies, and yes, I agree with you, you um, you know, are quite similar, I think you know, the pathway, um, you know, to get there is just really about understanding the persona behind that business and what the key target personas are. And once you understand what they are, understanding the channels that are applicable to that person and then applying the tactics to those channels. So, for example, Facebook, you know, and and Instagram, um, you know, same, same, is 
completely not applicable for a lot of target personas at the moment. LinkedIn is really presenting this incredible B2B space where, you know, that's the perfect example of B2B versus B2C. It's really the same thing. It's human to human. You know, two people within the LinkedIn environment can be having an extremely B2B conversation, but it still requires that element of human connection. And and, and yeah. I would agree with you around Facebook and, and Instagram for traditional business people. Mm-hmm. But he, there is a generational change, isn't there, Definitely. even in business. You know, that the idea that Facebook is purely for, you know, ha- hanging out with your friends yes. and family and not for business. In mm. fact, you can build very good relationships mm. taking into consideration the environment, mm. business relationships mm. through other channels, can't mm. you? Absolutely. I think, you know, it, it really does come back to understanding the persona that you're trying to target and who is the key decision maker, you know, that, that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to attract. I think, you know, the channels, you know, if the decision maker is, you know, a young 18-year-old girl, you've obviously now got, you know, tactics, you know, with and, and channels such as TikTok and, you know, YouTube and Pinterest that are, you know, don't, it's... Don't, it's, be so, don't be so stereotyped. I'm a big TikTok watcher. You know, I enjoy <laughs> TikTok. So, so but, but that's my point, you yeah. know, is that we're inclined to fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, um, that young people are social media savvy mm. and older people aren't. Mm. In actual fact, everyone's using some sort of social media. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and Facebook has become an older mm. social media and mm. TikTok and Snapchat mm. and, and, and has become different, mm. you know, a younger audience. But even then, in business, mm. there are a lot of people in quite senior decision-making roles that have been born and lived mm in a technology era. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether you want to call them millennials, Mm. but the millennials are now in their 30s and they've always known Mm. technology to be part of their existence and social media during during their lifetime. So, you know, this idea that uh, you can't build B2B brands on anything other than LinkedIn seems to be a bit narrow-minded. No, and I definitely agree with that. I think obviously some channels suit some key personas and and target markets better than others, for sure. That's one thing I would, you know, I would really push. The other thing is, I guess, is understanding, you know, if we we think about brand marketing for a second, um, take digital out of the mix. It's, it's really about identifying and understanding as well, the channels which represent and align with your brand. And I think, you know, I think you need to be open-minded to the fact that the reality of the matter is you could play on almost all of the digital channels and that's and, and, and that's the reality of where we're at right now. But I do think that, you know, it's important to not go all guns blazing into a strategy that encompasses every single channel, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we know that majority of people play on majority of channels. However, what I would say is that it is important to, I guess, one, understanding from a persona perspective, um, you know, where majority of your target market are, are playing, you know, and I think the second thing is understanding, you know, what channels and what tactics align with your overarching brand strategy um, from a branding perspective. And then thirdly, it's just testing. Mm. You know, it's it's really just testing. And, you know, you you might find that, and we, we find that this is the case in, you know, um, with our own business, you know, 
do we have LinkedIn and, and sorry, do we have Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, we do. Why? Because I think it's important that we, you know, stay up to date with those channels. Is it a lead generator for us? Absolutely not. It's a brand play. That's all it is. You know, you know, where is our focus? It's on LinkedIn, you know. So I think at different stages of the funnel, you can have different objectives in using different channels as well. So and of course, you haven't mentioned. You know, you've mentioned all the social media. The one, mm. uh, the the technology that you haven't mentioned mm. is uh, messaging and email. I mean, email is still uh, considered Huge. the number one B two B business building Huge. Uh, uh, channel. And now we've Huge. got you know WhatsApp. People mm. are spending huge amount of time and money mm. uh, communicating with their potential customers mm. and customers on WhatsApp. Mm. So, you know, technology really has transformed. Mm. And and so you can see why marketing as a discipline has become increasingly important in that B2B space. Yeah. Because it is about understanding the audience, as you say, in a human-to-human way. Yes. You know, what is the way that you want to be communicated Absolutely. with by me to move you further into purchasing or making yeah. a purchasing decision and, or developing yeah. the relationship. And and I mean, let's talk about email marketing for a second. There's absolutely I get this I get asked this question probably on a weekly basis. Should I even be doing marketing? I've heard it's dead. And the reality is like that is completely not true. Um I think email marketing is still, you know, it still has an extremely important place within the funnel and within and you know most marketing plans. And again, coming back to the human to human component of this within any B2B or B2C strategy is really fine tuning and having this, you know, customer centric approach, which is the human to human component and understanding from an email marketing perspective, how you need to be looking at your data and how you need to be setting up your email marketing um, strategy to be identifying different behaviors, to be identifying different preferences and to be understanding and asking for and then you know, using those insights, um, you know, to further your, you know, to further your your campaign plans around, you know, how to understand that customer better. You know, if you look at Mailchimp, just as one very, you know, quick example, you know, looking at things like tagging, segmentation, groups. There are a number of different ways that you know, link tracking. You know, is another example. There's so many different ways that you can utilize technology within email marketing now to better just, you know, to better segment your your emails on a campaign basis, you know, a campaign specific basis. And then as an always on automation perspective as well. Um, Again, it's human to human, you know, regardless if it's a B2B or B2C transaction. Which is interesting because the best salespeople work on a human to human basis, Mm. don't they? Mm. Absolutely. So the more the marketing can embrace that or Mm. take that approach Mm. and then use the technology you're talking about really just to mass customise mm. the way they engage with that audience seems to be a winning combination. Totally. Totally. You know, I can imagine, uh, you mentioned before, you know, some of the professional services that you're seeing coming to mm. you wanting help, you know. The traditional way was for um, uh, management consultants, law firms, accounting firms and the like was for the partners, in quotes, to go yes. out there and build their network. Yes, uh, it's amazing to me how many of them really aren't using LinkedIn or they've just started using LinkedIn. Mm. How many of them don't use content marketing, mm. for instance, mm. or inbound marketing? Mm. 
And perhaps this is really what you're seeing here is that uh, an awareness that there's all these opportunities that they're missing out on. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a really good point around content marketing and I think that's important to touch on because every digital strategy that we build starts from a content plan. So, you know, what are the three or four or, you know, even two key pillars of content that are going to be the fundamentals of that digital strategy? You know, you know, videos, blogs, podcasts, um, you know, a th- just three to name a few. And then within that, you know, what can the business build out? You know, if, you know, whether it be case studies, whether it be testimonials, whether it be, you know, um, you know, campaign or seasonal based based things, um, the content really has to underpin everything. Without the content, you have no strategy. And the reality of that is that, and I guess where that stems from is the fact that without content, you can't connect with this human-centric approach. You know, people connect with a story. People connect with, um, you know, this storytelling component. And, you know, whether that's, you know, on an educational perspective or a branding perspective, you know, it's, it's the story that they're connecting with. So um, that's a really important that you make around the content is without that, you don't have human-to-human marketing at all. Yeah, I've found the the most powerful content either educates, informs, Mm. entertains Mm. uh, people, you know, because especially if you're a professional services company, Mm. people are coming to you because you have some sort of expertise. And what better way of actually demonstrating that than actually sharing that expertise through the content that you share? Absolutely. And, you know, you can do it in an indirect or a direct way. I think from a brand awareness perspective, it often often happens in a more indirect way, um, you know, not necessarily with a very clear call to action. Um, and then, you know, typically further down the funnel, it can be in a more direct way. Once they trust you, they know your story, they understand your brand, you know, the history, your credentials, the, the people that you've worked with. Um, and then the, you know, the content can be a bit more more pointed down the funnel. Mm. Well, especially when you then change the uh, the channel that mm. you're using, absolutely, because you know, that's where uh, email marketing mm. can work particularly well mm-hmm. is to actually elicit uh, leads, absolutely, you know, to get that response mm-hmm. beyond just building the awareness that the content marketing. Did. Yes, yeah, I agree. Mm. So, what type of uh, companies uh, do you think, as a category, yes. you know, you've mentioned professional services mm. in that B two B space. What, what are the companies that are really, in your mind, leading this change to embracing marketing? Is there anyone or is it just more a general change that's happening? I think recruitment, to be honest, um, is an industry that I think um, recruitment and HR services, are obviously they're very different. Um, I, I just, you know, grouping them together in the, in the case of the conversation today. But I think, I think recruitment and HR services are really... Um, on an international level, really advancing the way they think in the in you know how they're utilizing digital marketing, and you know they are traditionally extraordinarily face to face based businesses, you know, um, but I think you know they're really starting to leverage the technological component of marketing in the outset from a brand awareness and an interest perspective, which then does do the selling for them. Um, so I think it's, and I think, you know, LinkedIn is, you know, a huge part of that. Um, and obviously the way that, you know, recruitment and HR has got obviously a large component of online. Um, 
so yeah, I'd say I would say recruitment and HR from my side. It's interesting because they're both uh, categories that are, you know, in in some ways challenged mm. um, or in demand. In fact, yes. in some ways, recruitment is is under a huge challenge at the moment, mm. and HR is probably needed more than ever before. Mm. Although it's funny because I think I I've, I've you know. Um, from a few people within the industry who've told me that they've just been inundated with roles in the past two weeks. I think, you know, people are really thinking about rehiring again. I think people are really, um, and, you know, we're seeing this within our business, you know, with the influx of new, you know, businesses that we've brought on, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have done that in, in the past couple of months is that I think people um, and, and leaders within within organisations have potentially for, you know, the first time in a long while, really had to think critically about their people and the way that they're going to do things. And um, and I think that, you know, that's why recruitment um, and I think our business, you know, are fortunate enough to, you know, to be bringing on new business because business owners and leaders are having to rethink how they do things. And that obviously... I'm sure you know the you new, would agree. The, the new, new normal. normal. Yeah. Exactly. The, what does the new normal look like? Exactly. And how do you build that? What does that even mean? You mm. know, from a people perspective, from a you know a strategy perspective, from a budget perspective, it changes everything, and it mm. has changed everything. Now it's interesting. We've been talking a lot about B two B in the concept and in the framework of H to H, human to human. Let's flip back to B to C, business mm-hmm. to consumer, because there was a lot of talk a few years ago, and I'm talking two or three years ago, mm-hmm. about the rise of personalization, mm-hmm. you know, being able to use technology to communicate with consumers, customers on a personal basis. Mm-hmm. And yet only a few months ago, Gartner came out and said personalization will be dead within the next two to three years mm-hmm. because it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. Do you see the same thing? Do you do you understand why the promise of being able to personalise communications to millions, potentially mm. millions of customers, is really starting to uh, to struggle? I think um, I actually think that the technologies that are available now to businesses, particularly in um, I guess in the SME or the large you know the larger enterprise space, I think. If you look at the technologies available and you look at your strategic objectives from the business and where, I guess, the opportunities are to close gaps or to personalise the offering, I think if you don't get too overwhelmed by MarTech and obviously the tools that are used to personalise and you focus on the areas that you need to close that gap, it's actually not that hard to do. And I would suggest biting off only a small chunk to start. You know, you know, I spoke the other day um, to, to a number of business owners about how to use MarTech to improve your conversion rate. And the first thing that I said would be important is to look at your overarching technology stack. I would agree with Gartner in that, um, you know, personalising from the top down, you know, on a broad spectrum is extremely hard. It's a huge project and it's going to be in the too hard basket for many businesses. However, if you look at your business and the way that it operates, and I guess this thing called the technological stack of your business and the way that it's developed and the tools that you're using, if you pinpoint in alignment with that areas that you think could do with personalization or that, you know, um, for, for example, how you can, you know, um, qualify someone more to understand more about what they need to point them to the product that you want them to purchase, for example, 
then I don't think that that is unachievable. I mm. think, you know, and and I, I, I couldn't be more um, honest in saying that a lot of MarTech tools non-marketers can implement. You know, there's a lot of native integrations at the moment, um, for example, between um, tools like Intercom and your website, which allows that, you know, that messenger, live messenger, be it, you know, the live component or the bot component, allows for this personalization with very little development work. Mm. Um, so whilst, yes, I think personalization en masse across the entire business from top to bottom is probably, yes, too hard basket for a lot of people, I do think that there's components that if implemented well, um, can really move the needle and make a difference. Do you think part of the problem could be the B2C space, mm. the business to consumer space, has traditionally been a, from a Marcom's perspective, mm. a a broadcast. Mm. You know, it's about talking to an audience mm. rather than talking to individuals mm. and that perhaps to move from that mindset to what you're talking about, the human to human, mm. is actually... Uh, falling over because it requires quite a subtle or, or very defined approach. Yes. You know, that you can't just take one message and based on some data mm. spin that totally. a number of different ways. That, you know, yeah, human beings are interesting because they belong to tribes or groups, mm. but they're also individuals. And I think that's important thing that you said about the subtle approach, I think, to the user the best cases of doing this are when it does feel subtle. But the reality is there is no subtleness, you know, in the back end of this. Like the the actual way that you're, you know, fine-tuning this personalization or finding out as much as you can about this consumer is happening in an extremely pointed way with a very specific objective at a very specific point within their within their user journey. So it, it's uh, it's I, I agree with you. I think it was a broadcast and I think now it's more pointed to, I guess, from our perspective, understanding what components of personalization and under, and better understanding of that customer can we find out at different parts of their journey in the most subtle way so that it feels natural for them. It feels organic. It feels like there's nothing salesy about it. Mm. Um, but the reality is we know exactly what we're asking and why we're asking and what that will lead to. Um, yeah. yeah, I know uh, more than a decade ago I was uh, doing some consulting work with a, uh, a, a direct marketer. Mm -hmm. They called themselves a direct marketer yes. in a bank and uh, they'd identified 140 different groups within the customer database mm -hmm. and uh, that 140, they actually had drafted different emails mm -hmm. and then AMB testing on each. So there was mm -hmm. 280 different emails, emails going yeah. out, except that they learned a huge amount about what actually resonated with particular groups and what didn't mm. by doing that A-B testing. Mm. The agency at the time just couldn't get their head around it. Right. You know, they just thought that this was ridiculously fragmented. Yes. But in one lot of emails, and we're talking to more than a couple of hundred thousand mm -hmm. customers, mm -hmm. they learned so much about what was the the sort of triggers yes. that got people to respond. Absolutely. Now, technology now allows you to automate that largely, yes. but it still requires you to do the hard work, doesn't it, to yeah. get down to that human level. 
Absolutely. And I think there is a component of that and the testing, don't get me wrong, is, has always got its place. But I also think thanks to technology, there are ways you can ask, <laughs> you know, like there's ways that you can actually ask that user what their preferences are in terms of the information they're receiving. And not just that, but you can also, you know, there's there's ways that you can, I guess, scoot around asking and then and infer, you know, based on their behavioural um you know, things like the way that they behave within an email, what they're clicking on, what they're spending time on, what pages of the site they're visiting. Um, so I think there's there's so many different ways now um, that you can really understand what they're looking for. Absolutely. Look, I've just noticed the time. It's been a terrific conversation. <laughs> These are great because, you know, time just seems to fly I by. I don't know about you. Every time. <laughs> but... Um, Again, I, I, I'm really interested. Thank, thanks for making time and thanks for calling by and Pleasure. sitting down and having Always. the conversation. Um, I'm really interested because last time uh, we talked about the sort of the role, the model that you're building, mm. and this time we're talking about the different approaches, B2B, B2C, but the underlying thing. Mm. I'm just wondering is do you see a point where marketing will become a strategic driver for business? Or will it continue to be a service to most small to medium enterprises? Mm-hmm.